L.O.P. in the building. My life been a movie, I should have filmed it. Nicely with the pen game, pops taught me to spit game. Get your cameras ready, we heavy catch when I'm in frame. Product, opinionated, but I'm coming through smooth with it. I be kicking back, you could Google it. Bring a block to the booth, get the truth, just another lane lock. I'm a Crown Heights legend, still repping the same block. Whoa. You are now listening to the Life of Product podcast. Gia, what up, what up, man? It's the boy Product. You're now locked into the Life of Product podcast, man. Today's a special day. I got the homie Chris Corrado on the show. Chris, we 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 should have did this a while back. I take the blame for it, man. But there's no time better than the present. How's it going, man? It's a great thing. It's a great thing. I appreciate you uh, uh, coming to the show and, and doing this with me. I know you've been really, really busy grinding it out. And by the way, I love what you're doing. I, I respect it a thousand percent. How's everything going to your end? Uh, it's uh, it's picking up. It's picking up. Just I just kept pushing forward, and you know, it's it's only bound to get better. Shouts out to my client J Rob, which is actually a good friend of mine. Um, I met Chris at J Rob's uh, video studio. You were doing an a interview with him that day, and you. It worked out for you because you did an interview there and you did a show, I believe, up in North Carolina. You're, you're in South Carolina right now, correct? That's right. How, now, okay, you're originally from New York, right? Yes. And you sound like you've never lost your accent. <laughs> you know I, I, I trained myself for that not to happen. Yeah, you know what? The first time I came to North Carolina, I was doing the same thing. And since I came back a year and a half ago, I've been doing it because I don't want to lose it. It's like your accent, when you have a New York accent in the South, is like liquid gold, brother. You know you know this for a fact, right? You know what I'm saying? So you kind of don't want to lose it. But how long have you been in South Carolina? Uh, since Saturday, October 30th, 1999. You remember the day as well. That's crazy. That is, I, I respect that. You know what I'm saying? Was it a culture shock coming from New York to South Carolina? Yes, and especially because um, they were celebrating Halloween, you know, on, on the 30th. And I was like, well, why? They're like, well, Halloween falls on a Sunday and that's church day. And, I, you know, yeah, and I was yeah. like, well, even where we grew up, I mean, yeah, we I go to church on Sunday, but we still celebrated Halloween on no matter what day it was. You know, the South is big on church, man. Like, that's like priority down here. That's that's I, I respect it, though. I think I think it's great. I think they go a little too hard <laughs> with it sometimes. Yeah. But I love God, and it's like I'm not gonna ever like you know like say anything damaging to it. But so no. when you when you came to the South, was it like a culture shock at any point? It had yeah, to be really the, different. A lot of the waving that I wasn't used to when you don't know somebody and they wave to you, that was different. Yo, and that's that's crazy to me. The only other place I've ever experienced that was in New Jersey because I went to Jersey for four years, so I was kind of already prepared for it. But the, when I first moved, the first time I came to North Carolina, it was '98. And I was in high school and people were waving at me. And I was like, yo, listen, we don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Back yeah. in Brooklyn, it was weird, brother. But I think it's cool, though. I think it's cool that you can come from a place where you don't and go to a place where you don't have to always be on guard, if that makes any sense. Because, you know, back home, we get crazy a little bit. Yeah, but I stay on guard here, too. Yeah. Bro, South Carolina, yeah. I, I got a lot of family in South Carolina. I've seen some some things happen on back roads, man. <laughs> So things happened out there, man. So when you when you moved out there, did you were you in school? Did you finish school out there? It was right after high school. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you didn't really get the high school experience at all out there. Yes and no. I mean, when I when I went to a community college, and I okay, it still felt like it was it was college, but it wasn't like a big university. So I kind of felt like I was, you know, in, in between things, really. Yeah. 
Now, when you, when you first got out, take a long time to really adjust to like make friends and like get used to the slower pace. Nah, not 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 really. It, it, you know, I'm a, I like to talk to a lot of people, so I'm bound to find some people that you know are cool to hang out with. And like I said, going to school not you know only a few months after living here, you you meet so many people at the community college that you know you're, you're bound to make new friends and yeah. I think that's great because it's it's okay. It's easy to slow down when you come here as opposed to pick it up when you go up there. That's a fact though, man, because I've known a lot of people from here that went up there and they ended up coming right back. They was like, nah, they couldn't take it. But I I myself, I went to community college at one point when I first came down here and I I met a lot of great people there. You meet people from all walks of life. You you know, it's a lot of people, they went to community college, a lot of older people to to revamp their education level. And things like that. Did you ever meet like anybody that inspired you to say, "I right, let me get things done now to not wait till I get older? Because that can happen. Uh, no, I, I kind of fooled around a little too much. <laughs> and <laughs> things out more than, I, you know, but yeah. it, it was a learning experience. <laughs> yeah, but I bet it was. What did, what did you go to school for? Well, originally, I, I just went, you know, to a community college to, you know, build up things before I went to a four-year school. But when I finally did, mm-hmm. I majored in mass communication with a concentration in journalism. Oh, that's dope. That's that's dope, man. I think I think journalism is a, a subject a lot of people are afraid of. And I, my, one of my cousins went to school for journalism and he was in school for a hot minute. It's a grind. You know, it's it's a grind that a lot of people don't understand. Did you were, were you able to take anything from going to school for journalism and applying it to the grind that you're in right now? Yeah, because I think you need to have you know, good social skills, you know, how yeah. you need to know how to ask the right questions and listen to people. Yeah. So that, that definitely helps with writing and talking with people. I, um, so years ago I had an independent magazine. Matter of fact, with my cousin, the one that did go to school for journalism and I did a lot of writing because writing was one of the things I was always into, but I noticed with journalism, you get told no a lot. Did, did, did you ever experience this? What was that? Did I what? You you get told no a lot. People will tell you no in a heartbeat. Um, I, I have to say I heard a lot of no's when I was, you know, selling life insurance. Oh, okay. Now what what, what was that experience like? Because I've heard like mixed feelings from people on life life insurance. Some said it was great, some hated it. What's your take on it? I mean, overall it's been a it's been a good experience. It's just that it's just one of those things a lot of people don't like to talk about, so they try to yeah. avoid it. You yeah. Know? You know, a lot of people, um, you, every three months when I pay my life insurance bill, I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I want to think about it. You know, but, but I guess a person doesn't want you coming in your face saying, hey, I got this package for you because you're going to die one day. What's up? You know, it, it's it's kind of scary to thought of it, but it's reality, especially right now with us being in a pandemic, man. Has has this pandemic affected you in any kind of way? Yeah, actually, and, it, and not not in a way to where I got more sales because, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, you must be. It's not a lot more life insurance. And I'm like, it's actually the opposite. A lot of people really they, they were they were more focused on, hey, look, I gotta first I gotta pay my bills, I gotta pay my rent, and I gotta eat. So yeah. that's absolutely and even even still, even when it you know, before the you know, 2020, things like life insurance really aren't a priority for people to spend money on. So it, it it's already hard as it is. Oh, yeah. You you have people that'll go on a thousand dollar vacation, but won't spend twenty five dollars every three months for life insurance. And then exactly. when, they, when they pass away, their family's got to scrape up pennies to bury them or cremate them. Because, you know, cremation, from what I've seen, is a lot cheaper 
than a burial, but it still costs money. It still costs yeah, a lot exactly. of money. You can get a, a burial is going to run you on a loan, I believe, right around six, seven thousand dollars, depending on the city and state, man. So to anybody listening, get your life insurance. Please, please get your life insurance because God forbid we, we don't know. You know, accidents happen all the time. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want to talk about that. So with, with the pandemic closing, well, not let me not say it because the numbers are starting to go up. But where we're at now, we're, we are nowhere near where we were in 2021, 2022 now. What difference? have you seen in South Carolina on that side from then to now with this whole pandemic? South Carolina was, was I think was uh, probably more relaxed than a lot than other States. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like down here was more, um, you know, it, it's really your choice what you want to do. Yeah. You know, do you, do you want, you know, whether you want to wear a mask or whether you want to get vaccinated or mm-hmm. who you want to, you know, associate with and where you want to go. And it's just, it's going to be up to you to make your decision for yourself. You know, South Carolina is a lot different. What I respect about South Carolina, they they do their own thing in South Carolina. You know what I mean? They don't really follow suit to a lot of other states. And 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 I know I, South Carolina. I noticed at one point, y'all driver's licenses wasn't even scanned <laughs> in certain situations. I see that. So yeah, y'all, y'all do your own thing out there. G, it's the boy, Product Life Podcast. I got the homie Chris Corrado on the show. We're gonna talk some more about what he's doing now. His latest ventures. We gotta pay these bills real quick. Shouts out to Anchor FM. I appreciate y'all from the uh, marketing to the distribution to the sponsorship. And shouts out to sleepandtrade.com. Shouts out to Drive Sneakers and shouts out to Zan's Craft Studios. I appreciate the support. We will be right back with the second half of the show. Gia, what up, what up, man? It's the boy Product. We're now back with the Life of Product podcast. Shouts out to uh, Anchor FM, man. I really love y'all. I really appreciate what you guys are doing with the show. Shouts out to the fans. You guys have taken my show from it just being nationally to streaming internationally. The YouTube numbers are going up. I appreciate y'all. If you guys have any subjects you want me to touch, reach out life of product. That's P-R-O-D-U-K at gmail.com or corporate with the K dot E-N-T at gmail.com. Got the homie Chris Carrado on the show. For y'all that don't know, Chris is really grinding it out. And he you, you, you remember the um term putting on for my city. I feel like you're doing that right now. And I feel like people need to give you some more credit and stop playing because one day you're gonna be on a billboard and the ones that fronted on you, they ain't gonna be able to rock with the wave. Now, right now, you're throwing a lot of comedy shows right now. And I've seen you throwing comedy shows from Rock Hill all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina. What got you into the comedy game? I've always liked telling jokes. Uh, I've always been a fan of watching stand-up, you know, even back in the 80s with Eddie Murphy and George Carlin and Rodney Dangerfield, Andrew Dice Clay, those guys. And, uh, you know, I've always wanted to try it. And then finally, you know, went through a bunch of – crazy life changes in 2010 mm-hmm. and I, you know what i'm just gonna go to an open mic and i'm gonna get started you know i've, I've noticed that <clears throat> a lot of comedians have like an inner pain that fuels their craft is this something that you experienced at one point when you said you went through things in 2010 yeah absolutely um i think all entertainers kind of have that type of feeling this is this is true because look at rappers a lot of rappers they rap about the hardships of their lives so I feel like when it comes to entertainment, you know, an entertainer's pain is a fan's pleasure, which is great, but sucks at the same time because it it might be a situation like, like, okay, I was at a show one time, me and my cousin was at a show in Brooklyn and there was a girl on stage and my homeboy, shouts out to my homeboy, Levy. Levy threw a dope show. Literally, he worked for sanitation and like the whole uh, uh, comedy uh, lineup, they were all sanitation workers. I didn't know sanitation workers was that funny, Chris. I was like, wow, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? kind of blew me away but there was a girl on stage and she was like i think the second to last performer and her closing joke 
was uh she said something about how she had got molested and we was all sitting there like oh snap and then she goes it was my dad it's not that bad and we were like wait a minute it was a dog joke but the way she told it i didn't say it verbatim but the way she told it it was funny as hell but it was a dog joke you know what i'm saying so imagine like what she really went through to have like the balls to get on stage and tell that joke you know what i'm saying it's crazy i, I, I feel that it, it, it was kind of crazy, man. So the first time you got on stage, man, how did you do? Be 100% uh, honest with me. Did you do great? Did you bomb? What happened? I uh, I blacked out a good bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> you like lost yourself like like Eminem, right? You lose yourself in a moment. Yeah, but I because I remember when I went in there, you know, I signed up on the sheet and everything like that and was waiting. And when yeah. I got called up, a lot of people just happened to show up as soon as I got on stage. Wow. And I just had a few things to joke about. I mean, it's, it's all brand new. It's, you know, and I think I had an okay set. I, 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 I bombed before, but I didn't bomb that night. Well, that's good. You didn't bomb on your first night. How, how hard is it to keep just like the continuity of it going? Because you, you're on stage. You can't take no breaks. You know, is it is it difficult for you? No, not, not anymore. I mean, there were times where it was frustrating when when it wasn't going well, but you just you just keep trying. If, if you have to, sometimes just talk to the audience and see if uh, they can give you a good opportunity. Kind of like an improv type thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that, man. What do, you, what do you think about this whole recent thing where Will Smith smacked, the, <laughs> he smacked Chris Rock? What's your take on that? Well, I'm torn between whether it was real or fake. A lot of people I, are saying that. You know what I'm saying? Like, nothing surprises me anymore. I mean, it, yeah. like I said, if it was fake, um, you know, just for the fact that, you know, I don't know if you saw how much Chris Rock's uh, ticket sales went up. Sold out, uh, brother. It's, it's sold yeah, out right now, man. It's crazy. I don't know how it could have benefited Will Smith, though. Uh, he's gotten a lot of sympathy. Yeah. I've seen. Yeah, I, th I think um, I think Will Smith got the worst end of the stick on that. I think it, it just, you know, what? I've never. OK, we're, it's crazy because we're living in 2022 where the guy who got smacked is the guy who's winning from the whole thing. Isn't that I think that's kind of crazy. Um, I, I respect comedy on every level. I, I respect humanity a little more than that. I do kind of think it was, in my opinion, you know, everybody might disagree. And that's cool. I do think it was kind of messed up that he chose that platform to make that joke at that time about her. But I kind of feel like, you know, it's one of them things where we don't know what pain a person is going through. Because I, I'm pretty sure you saw Will Smith cry when he gave his um, speech and stuff like that. So it's kind of like one of the things that was like, wait a minute. Wow back for a minute but it, it i think it opened the door for what happened recently where that dude ran on stage and attacked dave Chappelle. did you see that yes yeah that absolutely that's what i was saying i think i think it could have could have definitely have been real will smith could have been like you know what i'm just i'm fed up and I, i've had it and yeah i'm just gonna go take it out on somebody so that's why i think it could have been very real yeah but yeah that, but dave Chappelle, like i said that doesn't surprise me it's almost, it's almost like Will Smith, you know, unintentionally opened up a door. He did. He, I think he did. And, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't think it was like, um, I, I think it was real. That was me. But as far as like the whole Dave Chappelle situation, I don't know what drugs that dude was on, but he got to a life lesson that night, man, because they beat the brakes off homie and he broke his arm and he got arrested. He, yo, the dude showed up to the Dave Chappelle show with a plastic gun with a knife in it. I don't know what type of time this guy was on. I don't know what kind of ecstasy or whatever pills he was popping. But that was a bad look for him. A really bad. Yeah. Do you think now that open, do you think now we're going to see more violence at comedy shows? 
May, maybe for a little bit, but a lot like a lot of other things, it'll go away. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is true. I'm I'm hoping that we don't because comedy shows are. You know, I, I've been to a few comedy shows myself. I've watched comedy shows on TV, YouTube. I've never not once seen violence happen at a comedy show. So I'm, I'm really hoping this this whole wave gets swept under the rug, man. Because I feel like that's the last thing we need. I feel like we need we need comedy in 2022. What's what's the craziest thing you've seen in one of your shows? Uh, well, I, I've been attacked on stage once. That was interesting. Wow, you got to tell me about that, man. <laughs> yeah, and and I, if you want, I'll tell you about the motorcycle story, too. Yeah, um, I want to hear both, man. I want to hear both. What's up with it? So I was hosting an open mic, mm-hmm. and a comedian came up on the stage, and, you know, he pushed me off of it. Wow. And the reason why is there was another, there was another comedian. He wasn't there, but he had made a, a fake Twitter account. Okay. And he, uh, he, he was pretending to be somebody else. He was pretending to be um, this black woman. And uh-huh. as the black woman, he was calling this black comedian the N-word. Now, he wasn't uh-huh. saying it as if he was the white guy. He was saying it as if he was the black woman. Not that that, <laughs> that okay. Not that that makes that okay. Yeah. But that's what he was doing. And then this comedian decided to change the Twitter account to a picture of me. Oh, man. My name. So the black comedian thought that I was the one who was actually doing this and calling him that word. Wow. So he showed up and, uh, you know, I tried to, I thought he was just joking with me and messing with me. Yeah. I didn't figure out until after the, you know, the fact what, what was going on. But he thought I was calling him that word. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he, uh-huh. like I said, he pushed me up the stage. Um, and a bunch of other people jumped in the middle. And then, by the end of the night, he was he was apologizing to me, telling me how, how sorry he was this happened. Yeah. You know what? He's like, what do you want to do? You know, he's like, you know, you could punch me in the face if you want. You can, <laughs> I'll take you out to dinner. He's yeah. like, you, you want to go jump this other comedian? I'm like, no, no, no I don't, I don't want to jump anybody. You know, yeah. just, just oh I said, if, but before you do something like that again, you, you should find out some more information before you attack somebody. He was with it that night. He, he was definitely with it that night. It's like sometimes you got to ask yourself, how is this even? possible like how how did we get here with this type of scenario and you you know god forbid it ended how it ended because that could have ended really bad you might not even be alive right now you know what i'm saying with that type of situation what what when that ended what was it a successful night though did that kind of like mess everything up well like that was a place that was an open mic i used to run and i lost that room for you know so oh oh man that's messed up so that kind of messed your business up in in your network you know yeah Oh, oh man i'm sorry to hear that man that that's okay so the, you said a motorcycle incident, right? Yeah, so there was a, a biker bar we used to do comedy at called Kuzu's. It's, it's not around anymore, but yeah, this was an interesting place, man. Like, you could still, it was a private bar, so you could still smoke cigarettes in there. Okay. And uh, this this one biker dude, he, he rode his motorcycle in during the show and was just doing burnouts on the, you know, right there. Wow. So he rode his motorcycle into there and was doing burnouts? Yes. <laughs> This was in South Carolina, right? Oh yeah. See, South Carolina—that's why I said South Carolina is different, man. They do their own thing, man. You, you're not really gonna see that in like too many other states. Like South South Carolina is different, different, man. I've I've I've, I've had some great times in South Carolina, though, Chris. I've had I've been in. I got family that live by like Monk's Corner, Pineville, St. Stephen's area, man. So I had some good nights and some sugar shacks. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I can't even like some of it. I can't talk about on record, but I had some great times, man. It was lit. But at one, I, rem- I remember one night in particular, I was with a, uh, one of my cousins, right? 
And it was like one in the morning. He said, yo, we, we getting out the house. And I was like, yo, it was one in the morning. Y'all, y'all still got stuff open. And he's like, hell yeah. So we ride out to this little local sugar shack. We shoot some pool. Everybody drinking. I go down one line. And I'm 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 fresh from New York. I'm I'm still like, I was still living in New York, but I flew down there to visit. And me being from Brooklyn, I'm sizing everybody up, looking like, okay, where, where is it going to pop off at? He took me down a line of like 20 people and I shook like 20 hands. We was all related. I'm like, oh, it's all love. And listen, it was, oh. a, henny, it was a henny night. It was great. It, it was great, man. And and I I firsthand seen that South Carolina people can drive drunk and not get into an accident. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it, it was great, man. South Carolina is different, but it's lovable different if that big city sits. You know what I'm saying? It was yeah, not. Yeah. But GS, the boy product, like the part of podcast. We got to take one more break. We're going to come back with the third part of the show. I got a couple more questions I want to ask the homie Chris. Stay tuned. Yeah, what up, what up, man? It's the boy Product. We're now back with the Life of Product podcast. Shouts out to the homie Chris Carrado on the show, man. Listen, man, stay out of stay out of the motorcycle bars in South Carolina. If you're ever down there, you know, somebody might do a burnout on you. <laughs> I remember when we when we met Chris, you were talking about um you got into boxing at a certain point, man, which I which I think is great. I recently got back into it. What what made you want to get in the ring and just just do your thing? I, I it was definitely something I wanted to do for a long time and it's one of those things in life I always try to tell people, don't don't let your age define you and, or, you know, do what you want to do. Uh, I was never the most athletic person. I was just awful at things like basketball, <clears throat> football, baseball. But yeah. I always took a liking to martial arts. And I was like, you know, I want to get in there and compete and finally win something because I, I was just a horrible basketball player. I yeah. even wrestled a little bit in high school, didn't win a match. So yeah. just going in there, winning my first fight was like, it was amazing. That's a, that's that's got to be a great feeling. I boxed a little bit when I was a kid. Um, <clears throat> I didn't I didn't get to compete because you know it was one of the things my mom's on the levy. Then I took judo. Didn't get the level up past a, a white belt because you had to compete to do it. My mom's well, she was a very old protective uh, parent, but which was great. But I, it was still great to do it. But I understand what you're saying. It's one of those things where like you can't get that same type of high off of other things. And I tell people all the time, like I feel like in my opinion. Once you step into a different realm, once you get older, th- those same things might not have clicked if you did it at 15 years old, if you did it 20 years old. Sometimes it takes your life experiences to fuel, fuel the physical things that you want to do, if that makes any sense. So I commend you for getting into that. You you also did refereeing as well, correct? Uh, ring announcing and commentating. Ring, okay, I'm sorry. Ring announcing and commentating. Commentating seems kind of fun, man. What was that like? That, that was definitely a, a lot of fun. You know, I mean, I... Just uh, basically what we did was, you know, just do like a Facebook Live. It wasn't like on pay-per-view or anything like that. Yeah. We Facebook Live a bunch of amateur uh, bouts and were just chit-chatting and talking through it. Actually, J-Rob came and did, uh, he actually came to one of the shows and he ended up coming over and said, you know what, I'll just come over and commentate with you if that's okay. And I'm oh, like, that's yeah. That's really dope. Yeah, but you know, I love, I love the randomness. The randomness be like the best things ever sometimes, man. Best things yeah. ever, man. So, have you? What's the? You, have you uh, got to do that in South Carolina and North Carolina, or just South Carolina? Just South Carolina. I'll be back. Okay. I'm actually doing it again this Saturday in Hartsville, South Carolina. Okay, because I know North Carolina is a little funny with like their boxing commission if they have one. I'm, I've heard like different rumors about it, and a few fighters I do know from North Carolina. A lot of them go to South Carolina to fight. I think they go to like Gaffney a lot and stuff like that. Like, I think that so the gym I go to, the MMA gym I go to, 
they go down to Gaffney a lot and, and whatnot. What, what's your what's your take, man? And I'm a boxing fan and I'm an MMA fan. I'm a fan of both. <clears throat> I, I I grew up on boxing. You, you got I don't know if you remember, but before MMA was really a thing, kickboxing was a big thing. What's your take on they're making all of these MMA fighters get into the realm of boxing and fighting according to their rules? I think that's got to stop at a certain point. But what, what how do you feel? Well, I think. You know, to be a well-rounded, you know, fighter in MMA, you gotta, you gotta have hands. And I, I feel like, you know, not, not that I, if I got into the octagon, I'd, you know, they'd, they'd kick my ass. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but a lot of times when I see their hands, the way they overcommit, yes, um, the way they don't bring their hands back to their face, mm -hmm. would be very dangerous in a boxing match. I, I mean, I yes. understand you have to stand different because people can kick you, you know, and yeah. there's grappling and knees and elbows. But when it's boxing, you got to be very careful with how you move because you put your chin out there, or you know, mm -hmm. or you're gonna get <laughs> you know, so you're gonna get knocked out, man. It's, so for me, I feel like I love both. I feel like putting an MMA fighter in a in a ring with a boxer on average nine times out of ten, the boxer's gonna win. What I want to see, I want to see like a hybrid tournament. I want to see boxers versus MMA fighters, but I want to let them. Kind of like, you know, alter the rules a little bit. Like, I feel like if they, they could do that, let them fight with no 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 uh, boots so the, so the MMA fighters could kick. The, I feel like the only thing they shouldn't let them do is uh, is uh, choke holes and arm bars and leg bars because ain't no boxer getting out of that. It takes years to really learn how to get out of that. <clears throat> but the thing is, too, when you have fights like that, I look at it like this, right? It's like Bruce Lee said. Bruce Lee said, I was, uh, I'm afraid of the guy that practiced one kick a thousand times a day, not the guy that practiced a thousand different kicks, because if he practiced that one kick a thousand times a day, he's going to perfect it. So like you said, a lot of these MMA fighters, they don't bring their hands right back. They're leaving their chin open. The MMA fighters, their punches are not as coordinated as a boxer. I feel like their eyes are not as coordinated as a boxer because a boxer, on average, you, you have an MMA fight and a boxer. The, the boxer from what I see from boxing and things like that, he's not watching the, the fighter's face. He's watching their hands. So a MMA fighter is used to watching probably the face, watching all parts of the body. He's going to slip up. Those two, three seconds, he slips up and he doesn't watch the hands. He's going to get rocked in the chin. It's kind of like when, uh, when, when Mayweather fought McGregor. I feel like McGregor surprised a lot of people with his boxing skills. But on the flip side of that, him being 11 years I believe he was about 11 or 12 years uh, younger than uh, Mayweather. Uh, he was bigger than Mayweather. He lost because, because well, you got to think, boxers fight longer than um, MMA fighters. They don't gas out as fast due to that. And also, he wasn't really, the, the, the conditioning of a boxer and the skill of a boxer kind of goes a little further than an MMA fighter. So at one point when it was looking like McGregor was going to win, a lot of us that actually studied boxing, we knew he wasn't going to we knew by fifth, sixth, seventh round, it was going to be over for Homie. Still a good fight. He still, I, I still have to give McGregor his credit for going that far in the ring with Mayweather. You know what I'm saying? But um, I, I would love to see a hybrid fight, man. Have Have you seen any MMA fighters get in the ring with boxes? Uh, I'm trying to think. Of, I mean, I know Holly Holm. She has a a boxing and kickboxing background, but that's before she went into the yeah. UFC. Yeah, and didn't Holly Holmes, she was the first person. Wasn't she the first person to beat um Ronda Rousey? I I believe so. Was that um Yeah. That kick that kicked it like later out. That that fight, man. I didn't watch it live, but I watched it like you know, everybody posts the fight after the fight is done. But I felt like Ronda Rousey's um team didn't fully prepare her for that. Because Ronda Rousey, 
to me, it seemed like she was just trying to get in close to grab her. But every time she would get in, Holly Holmes, she was dancing around and hitting her with a one-two every time she would try to come in. So what what what, what do you think on that? If if you go if you could remember that fight, what do you think Ronda Rousey could have done to get that W? Well, you're also she also going up against someone southpaw, so you got to be, you yeah. got that's a totally different you know animal to take on because you know that that jab hand is now their right hand, you yes. know. Uh huh. So you gotta you gotta be careful whenever I, um, you know, go up against someone who's southpaw. What I always I try to do is I take my left I take my left leg, which is obviously my front leg, mm-hmm. and I put on the part of their right leg. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to approach it. You know, Southpaw is not not an easy person to fight. They're, they're not because, you know, leading with your right hand and your right. If you're right handed and you're leading with your right hand, that's a deadly combination, brother. That's a deadly combination. And a lot of people, they don't they don't fully prepare for that. <clears throat> I was talking to a dude one time that, that was a, a boxer. He was a trainer. He boxed a little bit back in the day. I forgot his name. And he was saying, all right, if you're fighting somebody that's Southpaw, he's leading with his right hand. He said, you got a Mike Tyson that approach. He said, remember how Mike Tyson would fight and he would approach the fighter and he his hands would be right under his chin and he's coming at you. He's dead sitting on you with tunnel vision. He said, that's one of the best approaches to fight somebody like that. Because when you fight that person like that, not a lot of them train to fight somebody like that. They train to fight somebody that's leading with their left. When he said that, and, and I watched, I actually went back and watched some old Mike Tyson fights. I was like, wow, that kind of makes sense. Especially with the way Mike Tyson would jump down and he would spring up and things like that. That's not a it's not a guy you want to have a problem with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mike Tyson, I, from what I remember, he was uh, shorter than a good bit of his opponent, so he yeah. he had to come in after you. Had he to. did. He he was man, and you know what? I, I always felt like his height. You would think his height was a disadvantage, but I felt like uh, the way a custom model trained him, he perfected it. Use it as an advantage. Because well, he would, he, yeah, it was crazy. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. I, I was just going to say that, you know, your disadvantage is also an advantage because it's a disadvantage if somebody has reach on you because they could just keep you away with a one-two. But once you get in, mm-hmm. you having the arms is now your advantage because they got a bigger torso and you don't got to swing as much to get those arms like, up against that body. Yeah. It's, it was, it's crazy, man. To see Mike Tyson short, see, to see Mike Tyson knocking out guys like six one six two. And he was only like five nine. When when and I've seen this in street fights. I've seen shorter guys beat uh, taller guys in street fights. When that shorter guy dodges three punches and he gets in close, that other guy, his arms are so long. How can he really fully bring it back to throw a right cross to throw an uppercut that fast that close? He's not really prepared for that. And I'm, I'm I, I, I look at Mike Tyson style as more than just boxing. It was a martial art, man. Mike Tyson style of boxing can be. I feel like at one point it should be studied. It should be placed in the books next to Jeet Kune Do and Tai Chi and stuff like that. But I don't feel like a lot of people talk about that enough. I feel like a lot of people are scared of that. You know what I mean? Great is a great fighting style, man. Really? Did you see what happened with him on that plane, though? Yeah, so that I don't even know why you would bother Mike Tyson. He, the guy is mm-hmm. not somebody just to mess with because he's he, just leave the guy alone. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, I would. That's like poking a bit. That's like being. I don't care if it's on a plane. I don't care if it's on a basketball court, whatever, on the street. That's like poking a bear in the middle of the forest, asking to get bit. And and I'm um I was reading about it. I think a day ago, and it was saying they were saying that uh no charges are going to be pressed against him or something like that. But you know we we live in these times now where everybody want to do it for the gram. They want to do it for likes. In your opinion, at what point does that stop? You know what I'm saying? How do you feel about that? 
You mean you're talking about people just starting stuff for a paycheck? Yeah, yeah. Not not even just for a paycheck, but the dude that was doing it, it, it seemed that he had somebody recording it the whole time because he kept looking over at the camera, smiling and things like that. I, I, I feel like in 2022, everybody wants to risk their lives or their freedom or just their well-being just to go viral. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that 15 minutes of fame is what they call that. That 15 minutes of fame got homie a busted nose. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, maybe it was worth it to him. I don't think so. Oh, it definitely, definitely wasn't, man. It definitely wasn't. Have you have you ever had to put your boxing skills in use in real life outside of the ring? No. Mm. That's a good thing, man. That's that's a good thing, man, because I you've been doing it for a minute, and I, and I feel like you got a little skill behind you, man. I don't think nobody wants well, those problems, you know? I mean, I, I could definitely get into a fight pretty quickly. Most of us can. Oh, yeah. But a lot of when people say stuff to me that I just ignore it because it's like I really have nothing to prove, you know, because yeah. you want to you feel good about yourself because you could say something stupid like that. I'll just just let you talk. You, I, you'll, I, you'll get it one day. <laughs> I hear that. I, I agree with you on that, man. Me, I, I as I've gotten older and I'm trying to become more peaceful and things like that, I've learned that a lot of stuff I let go. I walk away. Person could curse me out right now. I'm going to walk away. I've actually had to use boxing skills and judo skills in real life. I've, I've had to do it. And it's, sometimes you got to teach people a life lesson. But I feel like right now in 2022, where I'm at mentally, man, if a person doesn't personally do something to me, I'm letting it go. I'm walking away. I feel like everybody's hypersensitive and they'll villainize you, victimize themselves. Now you got to deal with the consequences, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Well, you also don't know what anybody carries on them these days, too. Hey, and that's an, and I carry, too, so I'm with it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But every, you know what? I notice more people that don't have the proper paperwork for their gun are quicker to let it off than the people that have the proper paperwork. And, well, and, criminals don't care about the law. <laughs> nah, they really, they really don't. You know, New York got a, a three and a half automatic, and I think that's automatic three and a half. And I think that's for, like, I believe that's for a gun that's not um loaded. And they still carry them, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, oh, come on, man, ain't nobody trying to do all of that. I went to a, I went to Little Caesars, man, because I I do like a, a cheat day once a week. So I went to Little Caesars, Little Caesars a couple weeks ago, and the girl that was making pizzas in the back, she kept walking between the back and the front, and she had her gun strapped to her leg. You know oh. what I'm saying? She was walking around looking like Tomb Raider, and I was like, damn, Laura Croft, this is like a Wednesday, you know what I'm saying? But this is mm -hmm. where we at. Well, you know, the, you know, the South is different. South is different, brother. I'm pretty sure you can go on Walmart where you live at right now. You can see somebody walking around with it on their hip. Well, guns are part of the culture down here. And, yeah, they are. Which, I, yo, I, I've become part of that culture. So I can't, who am I to talk? You know what I mean? I think, I think it's, I, I look at it like this, right? I know guns kill people. People kill people, right? But I feel like once you know the knowledge of it and you know the damage and you know what consequences it comes with and you legally got it you'll you'll understand that all right i can't just be doing dumb stuff with it because one you don't want to lose it two you don't want to put yourself uh in jeopardy um legally and and whatnot because it comes with consequences you ain't let it off with probable cause you're gonna be in jail and that's a, a lot of people don't get that man um but <clears throat> the gun community is i've noticed in the south you know a lot of people with 2022 with, with, with a lot of the things going on People on the outside look at it one way, but once you're here, you're in South Carolina, you're in North Carolina, you could be in Virginia, you actually learn that the gun community is quite peaceful and whatnot. It's it's not as how people always think it is, like they're just riding around killing each other. A lot of them are very peaceful. A lot of them, and a lot of people in the gun community, they'll spread knowledge to you on laws, they'll spread knowledge to you on what not to buy. But that's just from my experience. You know, we've all had different experiences on, on with it. But you definitely don't want to mess around in the South, man. Have you had any encounters yet since you've been here 
with anything like that? No, no. Thank God. I I have. You know, I my the first night when I first moved to North Carolina years ago, my first night I almost got shot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I almost got shot the first night. L- literally, I was I took Amtrak and I was off Amtrak for an hour. Got a gun pulled out on me. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even do nothing. <laughs> That's a whole other story. There's a whole other story, Chris. Man, we gonna talk about that one day. But yeah, I appreciate you coming to the show, man, and, and rocking out with me. Can you tell anybody what upcoming projects you got working on? Well, yeah, definitely, and, and thank you for having me on. I'm I'm always Absolutely. very glad to have opportunities to come on a show and, and talk. So you're welcome back know what anytime. Anytime you're welcome thank back, you, man. Tell, tell the people what you got. What, when's your next show going on? So the next thing I'm doing, like I said, this this uh, Saturday, which will be the 14th of May, 2022, mm-hmm. I'm uh, ring announcing for some amateur boxing down in Hartsville, South Carolina. That's dope. Dope. And Two comedy shows next week in Charlotte. Monday, I'll be at Tap and Vine, which is an Indian trail, North Carolina. Okay. And then Wednesday night, I'll be in Charlotte at a place called the Pizza Havana for a comedy show. Okay. Listen, man, Um, I, I think you sent me the... Did you send me the flyer for the one in Charlotte, right? I think you did. I might uh-huh. have, but I can go ahead and make sure you get it. Yeah, re- resend it to me. I'm going to try to pull up to that one. I'm going to try to clear my schedule out and just come support me. Come kick it with you. And, and and if I gotta sit in the front and be the butt of somebody joke, it is what it is. I'm well prepared for that. It's all good, you know what I'm saying? But listen, you're Chris, good. There's, there's seven of us going up. <laughs> you heard it up. Listen, thank you so much, man. Coming to the show, man. Life a part of podcast. You are welcome back. Uh anytime. Be safe down here in South Carolina, man. Stay stay away from those those bikers. All right, brother. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be good. Thank you. Yes, sir. Life a part of podcast. We out, baby. Gia. Later.